Hello and welcome to another episode of the CG Garage. This is episode number 324 featuring Franck Balson, creative director, and Gabe Askew, CG supervisor at our good friends at Blur Studio. Uh, of course, uh, Franck goes by Frank now, and we get into that a little bit in the podcast, which is a lot of fun. Uh, and Gabe was also a lot of fun. These are two really fun guys to have on to the podcast, right, Kristen? Mm-hmm. It, yeah, they were great. I loved just hearing about their backgrounds. Um, they talked about like what it's like working at Blur and with Tim. Um, yep. And you guys get into the kind of last season's Love, Death, and Robots, the Suits episode, and how they mm-hmm. wanted to kind of change up their look. So mm-hmm. you guys talk about... Uh, it's called uh, cell shading. Um, <laughs> that's what gives the 3D visuals like the cat- cartoony look. So right. they did it on yeah. that. And then Valor- Valorant on Riot Games. Yeah. For Riot. Yep. Mm-hmm. So these are really interesting. And, you know, the thing that you, that's interesting about it is a lot of people would think, oh, we just used a tune shading uh, system uh, that, you know, you, you has. But they didn't. They actually did most of that shading uh, was done very differently. It was actually done a, a combination of textures and comp and all those uh, and lighting. Uh, it's just a, a different way of thinking about the way it, it looks and very, very effective uh, and really interesting. So um, I was very curious about it because I love the look of it. You, should, you guys should totally mm-hmm. check it out. If you guys haven't seen Love, Death, and Robots uh, last season, go check it out right away. And remember that uh, season two is coming out May 14th, which I'm extremely excited uh, to see as well. Of course, they couldn't talk about season two yet, so we were able to talk and just give you a little teaser by talking about season one. Uh, But really fun uh, talking to them and a really cool uh, talking to all of our the good guys at Blur. So really fun there. All right, we've got a few announcements, Kristen, some exciting things going on. What's happening? All right, you can find these out at chaos.com slash events. The first one, um, May 4th through 6th, Chaos will be at FMX. Um, and our talk will be on May 6th at mm-hmm. 9 a.m. Central European time. And we are hosting a very special edition podcast. Um, and it's going to be with the virtual reality show's founder and host, Sophia or Fia Bollinger, and it's yeah. great. So Yes, it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. This is going to be an FMX-exclusive podcast, so if you guys want to check that out, you should really check it out. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's, uh, so uh, we will basically, uh, Fia is uh, joining us, and uh, she is joining us as her uh, virtual reality avatar. So the entire podcast, you should really check it out in video form because you can see uh, Fia as her video form. She's a really bright young woman, and I'm excited that you guys should check out a lot of the cool things that she's done um, in uh, in that area. So, And I think she'll be probably around for a Q&A after that too, so you guys can ask her questions. Mm-hmm. We got one more thing going on. Yep. On May 11th, uh, CAD Design Base is having 3D days online, um, and there will be five webinars uh, covering essential software for 3D, CAD, and BIM, um, so mm-hmm. you can check that out on our events page. Perfect. Again, all of those are available at chaos.com slash events. Uh, for any other of our product news, we'll have some product news coming up very soon, so check check that out just at chaos.com. We always have all of our products announcements, announcements there. Uh, in terms of the podcast itself, if people want to hear more about it, where can they go? You can go to facebook.com slash cggaragepodcast or chaos.com slash cggarage. And then if you want to see us in video, you can go to youtube.com slash chaosgrouptv. Perfect. Uh, and I, I do want to say, like, we did actually had an announcement that we're, we're doing a series of podcasts or a series of episodes uh, on NFTs. 
Uh, we released one last week and we'll release another one uh, coming up uh, soon. So there'll be a whole bunch of them. So if you're, if, you've, if you're sort of new to the podcast and you've been following the NFT stuff, don't worry, we have plenty more coming. Uh, we just cover a broad range of topics as we're going. So anyway, but for now, please enjoy this really cool podcast with Frank and Gabe from Blur Studio. Welcome to another CG Garage where the Chaos Group talks. You'll know it's over when the last bucket drops. We're gonna fire off rays in high dynamic range. We know that ambient occlusion is passe. Global illumination won't lead you astray. And while image based lighting is really swell, you need to make sure everything has for now. I'm very excited about this. This I've, I've actually done several podcasts with Blur people over the years, uh, including Tim's been on three times. <laughs> so that's been fun. He's been a repeater uh, as well, but uh, really excited to, to do it with you guys. So I think what we should find out a little bit more, obviously, you know, uh, we need to know a little bit more about you guys and w- not necessarily about Blur, but wh- what inspired you and what got you guys involved in this thing and how did you guys... Uh, get get to do the kind of things you do. So Frank, tell me a little bit of, of Frank. Sorry, not Frank. 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 Frank is fine. I will turn around if you call me Frank in this. Okay, Everybody but Frank, I know is the way. correct pronunciation of Tim, your name. Tim Tim Miller refuses to call me Frank uh, after really? thir- thirteen years. Yeah, he's like, hey, you moved to the U.S., so you adapt. Okay, well, where are you from? Where are you from, Frank? Frank Where are you from? I'm from France. So oh, you're in French. France, oh. In France, it would be France. C'est France. So, yeah, je ne parle pas français, ça va. Oh, sorry, Gabe. We're doing the whole interview in, in French. Yeah, from, right. now on, in from French. now on, we're doing it in French. From now on, we're doing it But your English is excellent, Franck. Yeah, I learned. I learned that's the, the force of, of, you know, just being young when you learn it and all your friends being American and you have to blend in because you don't want to be the, the one that sticks out. So right. you're just thrust at it. My, my, I mean, that's history, but basically I lived uh, in uh, foreign countries when I was a kid. And as a kid, you just need to blend in. So, mm-hmm. you know, you just learn the language. Yeah. But the yeah, running absolutely. joke is they, they won't let him back into France now that he can't. It's true. Now, now it's, it's too late. They won't. Yeah. I totally get it. So where were you growing up all over the, the world? Oh, I, I grew up, uh, so I obviously grew up in France, uh, but then right. I traveled, um, uh, when I was younger, I lived in uh, Saudi Arabia for a few years, uh, back and yep. forth, because my father was working for uh, private army contractors, and he was basically teaching them how to use weapon systems. He was in the Navy originally in France, and so uh-huh. then we, we moved there, and so as a, we went there right after the Gulf War. So a lot of American soldiers uh, stayed over there, married uh, local women, and mm-hmm. so a lot of a lot of schools over there are uh, American. They have a French school as well, and it's very multicultural. But the one of the common language, obviously, is English and English. mostly American. So mm-hmm. yeah, to blend in, you ha- I I went there, didn't speak English, and then a couple of years later, spoke English. So and oh, then yeah. after this, I just did a lot of uh, you know foreign exchange student programs coming to the U.S. So okay. Now I, okay. I kind of re- I kind of now regret I didn't I didn't take the British accent because at the time I was like oh it sounds so poshy and now I'm like man it actually sounds kind of nice. Yeah, but, and, and sometimes poshy is cool. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. That, that's the thing. But it's fine. Yeah. I, people can understand me. So 
The South sure. African one is the most unusual English accent, but it's also like, what the hell is going on? In this? Dave Wilson <laughs> was South African. He wasn't, he wasn't too hard to understand. No, it's not hard to understand. It's just unusual. It just oh, doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of like it. I still need to yeah. work on, on recognizing the, 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 the accents. That's the part where I'm the still dialects. like, I'm, yeah, not, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not quite good at it. I'll understand it. I just won't be able to tell you where it's from. Uh, yes. And the beauty of being a, a foreigner still learning the English language is that I make mistakes all the time and I'll use the wrong words and the wrong sentences and everybody cracks up and I'm like, what did I say? And they're like, yeah, this, this was not what you meant, Frank. And I'm like, you know, oh, was, you know what the irony is that, well, not irony, I guess, the weird coincidence that I did the opposite of you. So I'm an American, but I went to, I grew up abroad as well. I grew up in, 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 in Cairo and in Athens, but my parents oh, nice. put me into a French school system because it was the better school system to get into, to, to, to go to. And I was like, you'll just do it in French and we'll figure it out later. I was like, well, okay. <laughs> so that's why I picked up my French. <laughs> it's much, it's much easier on my way because English is a lot easier to learn than, oh, yeah. than French. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, my fr I used to speak perfect fluent French and now my French is kind of suffering a little bit uh, because I don't practice it, right? But like English, you're going to speak English throughout the day, no matter where you are on the planet, practically. Yeah, you know? so. yeah. especially now with the internet and all that stuff. It's, yeah. Okay, and Gabe, yeah. what about you? Where did you grow up? <laughs> uh, a much more exotic place called California. California, <laughs> lovely place. <laughs> yeah, no, the funny thing is like a blur, almost everyone is from somewhere else. Um, yes. Which kind of puts me to shame. I'm like, man, these people came from all over the world to but work But that here. makes you exotic and in your own way, right? True, <laughs> right. I'm the outsider. It makes right. you unique at Blur. It's yeah. like you're the only one that actually comes from California. Mm -hmm. When yeah, I started at DD, I was the only person. And when I started at DD, I was in a room with four other people and I was the only person that didn't have a visa. Like they were... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so you grew up in California, and uh, mm -hmm. and what what sort of got you into doing uh, visual effects and CG? How did all that inspiration happen for you? Uh, well, the the funny thing is, I always wanted to be a character animator, um, uh -huh. but I sucked at it, um, so I did not get a job doing that. Because like, okay. of all the disciplines within our industry, I feel like character animation is the most difficult. Like it uses your whole brain at once all the time. So. I didn't. I don't have a whole brain, so I couldn't do that. It um, takes a special kind of skill set, and it's yeah. not necessarily a technical one. It's a, like a feeling one. You know but what I mean? It's like it's technical and emotional at the same time. So yeah. You're using like both sides of your head. Yeah, um, it's really yeah, interesting. So I sucked at that. In fact, okay. <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. Um, and then I sort of uh, went into like low end special effects. I was at a uh, firm called Pyros Pictures, which. Um, we mostly did infomercials. So if you've ever seen oh, nice. exercise commercials with a Chrome person on an exercise machine and then it yes. zooms in to show like the butt muscles that are being worked, yes. some of my finest work there. That's awesome. Um, That's along the lines of, uh, of legal, legal uh, animation that I've seen as well. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting and interesting, yeah. Uh-huh. But you do a lot of things. You learn a lot of skills. And then it's a I great place to start all that stuff, is. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, went into ArtViz for a while, uh, which is where I definitely learned, you know, V-Ray and from you mostly. Oh, um, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I took your tutorials to sort of. Oh, my DVDs, my DVDs. Yes, right, right, right. yes. Back when we had media on discs. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I did that for a while, but I wasn't super into arc architectural stuff. Um, so I kept sort of doing side stuff, and one of my side projects kind of got passed around um, advertising circles and that kind of landed me in 
directing commercials for about 10 years at a small studio called uh, Hornet Inc. in New York, oh, um, which is really cool because it, it, working commercials, you're always working in very different styles in um, going from stuff that's photoreal to stuff that's super cartoony and uh, really sort of, it was like boot camp for design. Like mm -hmm. I look at where my style frames and design work was when I started that job and like 10 years after it. Um, I could see this like clear progression of um, my design work. Um, but you know, that work kind of ebbs and flows and I had um, some downtime and uh, a buddy of mine at Blur, James Atalano was like, uh, you know, hey, why don't you come do a gig over here if you're you know waiting for the next thing to come in. And as soon as I came in, like I came in right as they were ramping up on uh, Love, Death and Robots season one. Oh, okay. And I was like, man, this fuck commercials. This is what I want to do from now on. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. So stuck around. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of it's really exciting to to see that kind of stuff for sure. I I, I so so this wasn't too long ago. I guess this maybe about two three years ago. Uh, it's about four years ago. Yeah, four years ago. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I started when they were starting production. So by the time it came out, it'd been like a year there. Okay. And which Love, Death, and Robots project did you start on? Uh, I did suits actually, that which was what uh, Frank um, directed. That was the the sort of two and a half D uh, illustrated style um, with Perfect. a bunch of farmers getting into mech suits and fighting yep. aliens. Awesome. That's a great. That's a great. And we definitely want to talk about that style and all that stuff that's going on. So this is what this is going to be really exciting. Uh, okay. And so Frank, you, how long have you been at Blur? Uh, I've been at Blur just a little bit longer than than Gabe. By okay. uh, 10, 10 years. So 13, okay. 13 and a half years now. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Started started at Blur as uh, well. Actually, I came to Blur originally. Uh, it took it took forever to get a visa. I'll pass you the details. So yeah, but how did you get into CG? Sorry, I think we skipped oh, that part. So, huh? All right. So we have to go <laughs> back at the dawn of time. Um, uh huh. Uh, how did I get into CG? Uh, well, in in I don't know if you guys have this uh, here in the U.S. The this, the school system is slightly different in France, but mm -hmm. I think the equivalent would be probably high school. I think, but in high school they start. Yeah, they have those little. Um, the equivalent of like a mini, let's say, SIGGRAPH, but for all kind of jobs uh, when you're in high school. So they have, they set it's up- It's like a job boots. fair. They call yeah, it a job like fair. A, let's call it a job fair, but it's a job fair for colleges. So they come in, they yep. set up their little booth and you're like, hey, when I grow up, I want to be a cook. When I grow up, yep. I want to be a lawyer or whatever. And if you're lucky, there's going to be a booth about a school that will teach you how to become this. Uh, right. And at that time there was, uh, I think it was like a computer programming school that had some booklets that were talking about, you know, how you can code video game uh, and that kind of stuff. And at the time, it, they just had released Tomb Raider, and I was like, oh my god, how do they make those video games? I want to know how they do the animation. I I just saw pictures on the book on the booklet, so I was like, ah, oh, that must be the place. Uh, fast forward a few years, I realized that's definitely not the school to go to to do this. Uh, I basically went to uh, one of the few schools that we have in, 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 in France that does 3D, at the, that did 3D at the time, which was called Superfocum. We have a, a bunch of guys Excellent coming school. from there uh, at Blur uh, and across uh, all the US. Uh, yep. so, it's, so I actually have a lot of friends here that I went to school with that I actually did, we actually did our short film. Uh, we were four people and we, we were three living here literally within a mile from each other. Uh, nice. All coming from France, so it's it, that that world. It, it never really they're taking over. It, yeah, 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so so I in two thousand four uh, I graduated for I graduated from Superfocum. I came to SIGGRAPH that year, um, and at the time we were students. We didn't have any money. Uh, and we used CAT, uh, which was character animation technology, which was like a new a new plugin for 3ds Max. And they mm-hmm. had a booth at SIGGRAPH. So I went to see them and I said, hey. This was a while ago. How long ago was this? 2004. So yeah, that was, okay. Yeah, that was, that was a while back. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, because then it got bought by Autodesk and then they put it yeah, into yeah, yeah. stuff. Um, but at the time, so it was brand new. We, we didn't want to use, because uh, it was all keyframe. So we didn't want to use, uh, you know, um, uh, well, the only system that there was at the time, mm-hmm. uh, if you were making your own rigs. And so I came with the short film that we had done, met with those guys and basically told them, hey, guys, we didn't have money. We used the pirate version. But if you think it's worth something, just use it to sell your software. And so they took a look at a short film. They played it on in loop on their booth. Uh, I ended up staying and doing demos for them on their booth because at the time, nobody knew how to use their software. And that's... That's how I got to meet uh, the guys from Blur because they were just touring SIGGRAPH, saw the short film, asked the guys who had done this. I just so happened to be there. We got in touch. I went back to France. And then a couple of months later, I got an email from Tim Miller uh, asking if I wanted to come and work at Blur. Um, So I had to think at least for like a second and a half before I told him Fuck yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then it took and then it and then it took three years for me to come because of paperwork and H-1B visas being reduced drastically under the Bush administration, blah, blah, blah. Oh, right. So then at some point it became this running joke at work. I was working in a commercial, kind of similar to Gabe, doing a lot of commercial. I was CG Soup and a director at the time. Uh, and then at some point I thought I was never gonna come. I was like, well, I've been saying that, you know, oh yeah, I'm not gonna take an apartment or get a girlfriend because I might leave. And then a year goes, okay, I'm, I'm gonna take an apartment because, you know, and then after three years, I was like, okay, I'm never going to the U.S. That's never happening. And then obviously, once you're settled, then suddenly the world, you know, the universe has a way to just make things fall in place. And then you're like, oh, yeah, well, you're good to go now. I'm like, what? Are you kidding? Right. Uh, so, yeah. So I came I came to Blur. Um, and originally, I was coming to do uh, what Gabe does, scene assembly and compositing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, as soon as I arrived... Tim was like, yeah, we're going to have you do layout. And I'm like, do what? No, I came for the, yeah, 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 but you'll do that after. It's not a problem. Just try layout. Mm-hmm. So I never did scene assembly or comp. I did layout the whole time because it's it was actually, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, I did layout for a while. After a couple of years in the company, I, I started directing uh, stuff uh, and cinematics. Uh, I took over the layout department and then... A few years ago, uh, I, they offered me uh, the position of creative director for the company. So now I'm, I'm learning how to fill a small part of Tim's shoes. That's awesome. That's really so really cool. Wear shoes, but Tim doesn't wear shoes. No, he does not wear shoes. I know that's specific. Yeah, that might be the key differentiator between him and I. I do wear <laughs> shoes. We did get we did get that remark a couple of times because we did a we did a I did a video with uh, Tim uh, uh, of of actually of Blur just a whole documentary about Blur like maybe about six years ago and it was just sort of a like inside studio kind of thing and there's several shots of Tim just kind of walking around and this comments like is he not wearing shoes <laughs> it's like nah he doesn't yeah. wear shoes yep. why That's not I I agree so also, that the, the longer I'm here the more I realize that he's hired most of the people at the studio he's he was basically human resources he is a direct it's contact still the case. It's yeah still it's the case. still the case I mean, it's still the case like when I arrived when I arrived at Blur I think the 
it was probably 70 people. Uh, but even before that, it was all word to mouth. It was going on the art station or the equivalent of, you know, at the time, CG channel and, and whatnot. And it would yep. be like, you know, we'd have people from freaking all over the world, like Spain and Asia and anywhere, really. Uh, and it was all hand hand grown, hand picked by Mr. Miller himself. Uh, yep. But that's still the case. There still have some people, you know, will still get emails. Hey, I saw this guy. I sent him an email asking him if you'd like to come and work here. Uh, it's, you know, there's no bad way of recruiting. No, I know. It's like, I know. It's, it's really interesting. I, it is. I, you know who is, uh, I, I might have told you guys this story, but uh, I'll say it again. So, so long, long, long ago, <laughs> before I, I, I got it into VFX at all, and I was kind of thinking about getting into that area. And I was always admiring what Blur had done, and I just basically cold called Blur. And of course, you know who answered the phone was Betty, right? Mm -hmm. And so she answered the phone, and I was like, "I want to, you know, who do I talk to about submitting my reel, or whatever?" And she's like, Ugh. "She basically gave me the rundown of what I, and she told me what I had to do to really get someone's attention." <laughs> She, she only spoke to me for about three minutes, but I was like writing this stuff down. I was very naive and young at the time. You know, this was a long time ago. Mm. It's very early days of Blur and I'm writing everything down. And, uh, and so, and I did do a lot of what she said, believe it or not, what she said really helped me get, figure out how to approach a company. I didn't go back to approach Blur necessarily, but I did, the advice she gave me helped me get my job at Digital Domain. So I really think that like, you know, Blur is kind of an interesting thing. And Tim does, he, he'll, I've seen him just perusing ArtStation or going to all these places and it's like, I like that. <laughs> Hire that guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. yeah. So it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool uh, to see that. And it's kind of nice now, you know, after all these years sort of being on the other side of the, of the, of the process and sort of looking at it and going, it's, it's kind of a nice thing that, that that's, it still goes on to this day. And obviously the quality of work is still around. So, okay. We've got, we've got some good roots on, on both of you guys on, on how you guys sort of ended up uh, hanging out together at Blur. And the first project you guys work on is very closely related to the <laughs> Valerian project that I want to talk it about actually, as well. Yeah. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about that process of, uh, first of all, what inspired it, and then second, how are you pulling it off? Like, how are you doing this? Like, what, and then I, I'm really kind of curious about the, the look of it and how you achieve that look and, and, and all that stuff. But first of all, it's got a look that looks like a cartoon or a comic book, even though it's CG, and you're managing that look really well. So, Frank, what's, what, is, what are some of the things that inspired you about the way that thing looks? Uh, so, talking about suits, I guess, maybe? because Yeah, let's start with that one. one. Yeah. Uh, well, so, suits was, a, it was an interesting one because I, I came in uh, a, a, little, a little bit after the beginning uh, of the project. Uh, and so, a lot of things had already been decided, but... We knew it was supposed to be a project that was supposed to be stylized, but I think, you know, there was, uh, I think, for, for a company uh, our size, from time to time, it's tricky to try something different. So it was kind of halfway. It was halfway stylized and halfway realistic, and it mm -hmm. didn't really have, like, a strong sort of, like style in any way. It was hard to tell what it was. And so when I came in, uh, I was like, well, it, there's chaos happening everywhere on that project. We might as well just put a little bit more and nobody's going to notice. So I was like, okay, if we're going to do stylized, let's just go full on stylized, simpler designs and just really lean into it and just try things we haven't done before. 
Sure. Um, and and so you know the the few things about watching cartoons when, when I grew up, uh, which is I mean the same as you guys. It's the freaking you know the '90s and the '80s. Mm-hmm. You know, those things would be animated on 12 frames per second. Um, it's kind of flat looking. They didn't have any shading or any of sort of things like this. And uh, and I was like, well, okay, well, we've never done that. Let's let's try this. I think that could be interesting. And and really, what I think deep down in me, the challenge for me was, okay, I'm tired of hearing people saying, oh yeah, that's the blur look. It's it looks like blur did it because people can actually pinpoint a cinematic and say, oh yeah, this was done by blur. This was done by Digic. And I was like, if man, if we could just do something and people watch the whole thing and before the credits roll in, they have no fucking clue who did this thing. Right. And and I was like, man, that would be the greatest sort of compliment we could ever get from someone. I was like, oh man, I didn't know you guys could do this. Uh, right. So that was kind of the, the motivation for me past the artistic thing. It was like, let's challenge ourselves and make something that, you know, people will look at it and be like, there's no way you guys do this. Yeah, we would know about it. Um, right. So, so, so that's so that's really where that was uh, where that was coming from. It was just the the challenge and just I just I just, I think it's like the same thing for probably for a lot of directors. But when you 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 watch a lot of things and and you're like, oh man, that's really cool, and you always want to try it at least one time. You know, you see a moving black and white, you're like, oh, I'd like to do black and white one day. You see a I don't know a car chase, like, oh, I'd love to do a car chase just because you want to know how it feels to do that thing. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think there was a little bit of this uh, in, in there as well. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we went we went into this adventure. Uh, uh, the supervisor at the time is someone you know really well. It was Kevin Margot. Yeah. Uh, so he supervised uh, the show. There was obviously a lot of you know trying and failing uh, up until we figured out. I think actually the 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 look of it, the flat look, came from a test, an early on test that they did that was supposed to be like a work in progress. And I saw it and I was like, yes, that's what it needs to be. It like, mm. I don't want any shadows. I want it to be flat on the face. It's all about what's happening there. Everything else falls. Uh, and then what was interesting is the more they worked on it, the more I was going back to what towards what we usually do with like shading and the subsurface. And I was like, no, 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 you don't get it. Go back to your test, the, the what you thought was not, you know, and that's that's what it needs to be. It has a graphic quality to it. It's awesome. Let's really try to do this. Um, and then throughout the project, we were just sort of like defining the the kind of like the the guidelines of the style, the the do's and the don'ts. I think it took the whole project for us to understand what that was. So it was right. a lot of trial and error. And by the end, we were like, okay, I think we understand how to achieve that look. At least during at least during night scenes, because that's also one of the reasons why we did the whole show at night. Right, right, uh, right. It was because well, it's also the one that's the more convenient in terms of lighting. You can have a lot of rim lights. Uh, so rather than tackling two complex things at the same time, like okay, well this will help us, and okay. it makes it it makes it more exciting anyway for the story that we're trying to tell. Um, so how did so so Gabe? How did how did you pull off that look? I mean, I know that, like there obviously these days, especially things of that nature, you're starting to see a lot more interesting things done with that celt shaded look. It looks like cell shaded. Now, did you guys use V-Ray's tune shading on that, or you guys did a different yeah. method, right? Yeah. yeah what it, t- 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 like like Frank was saying, there's a lot of um, tests, and then like every once in a while, an artist would hit on something, and you're like that feels right. I'm not sure why. And so we had all these experiments that started to feel right. And it was after they felt right that we actually started to like parse it and take it apart and say, okay, this is what feels right about that. Like 
the rim lights need to be super sharp or the front lighting needs to be super soft. Like we started to come up with the rules after mm-hmm. we found stuff that was working. Um, and it was just, it, it wasn't me, it wasn't any one person. It was kind of all of us uh, pushing and then slowly coming together and saying, okay, this works, let's do it in this shot. Uh, this works on this shot, let's try it in this shot. And so um, it kind of evolved that way. Um, but the, the, the technical aspects of it, we were doing like a lot of weird hacks, like we were doing all the weird hacks that we could think of. Um, we were using, so we use like Force Pack Pro a lot in our uh, sure. workflow. So we were using that to like scatter things based on screen space. So you'd have like, you know, you want grass to look like a brush stroke. So you have a grass in the foreground and you have be- grass in the background, but you'd actually scale it up in the background so that you get this sort of weird um, effect Ugh. of like a, a, a painter illustrating the image. So it kind of flattens it out in a way. So we're doing all sorts of weird hacks like that. Just playing really i mean that's kind of what uh was so nice about it, is it felt like playing rather than like you know here's here's a style frame match that style frame exactly right but you you i mean the look is very diffuse and the faces look like they're they're painted so was that was that done through textures or how did you get the faces to look the way they, yeah, they that, do that's the other thing we found like it, we kind of found that through the process is like um there's no weird hack for that in particular, like just making good assets and painting them really well is the, that's 90% of the work. Like a lot of okay. the hacks were all actually we've, we've started to strip back the hacks with the look um, because we just find that if you make good assets and you make good um, camera, good, good animation, all that stuff, it just falls into place and you rely less on weird tricks. Right. Um, it's, you're building it like an illustration rather than um, building it like an elaborate system of weird stuff going on. Okay. And and the one thing we, we realized and we're, I mean, obviously we're learning even now doing the Valorant pieces is the, the one thing that's the, the I guess the, the line you're trying never to cross is you don't want this to look like cell shading because the big issue with cell shading, it, it has this kind of um, a, a cheap look to it where you start having those crisp, li- those crisp lines that just move around uh, with the lights, and and the, and really, when you look at enemies that who have those, they actually the, the the ones that look really good, they're actually sort of hand animated, where they'll keep the lighting stuck on the character and use a certain specific frame to change it, so that it always feels like it's attached to the character, but it's not really sort of being deformed by like the 3D volume. And that's the thing that took us the, the most amount of time to, to sort of figure out and how to make those shadows work really well with the diffuse texture to a point where now when we do the Valorant pieces, we know that, well, on the faces, we're probably going to want to have very, very little um, shadow information on the faces because otherwise, uh, you know, the nose and the eyes, all that stuff starts looking very 3D. Mm. Um, we know that the, the lights need to be a little bit more rimlet uh, in order to get those really, really sharp graphic uh, outlines that just add to, to, to the style and make it look uh, more graphic. And then a lot of it is also uh, the way you light your shots. Uh, one thing we realized quite quickly in, um, in suits was that, let's say there's a whole sequence that's happening uh, inside one of the mechs and the lighting is either purple or red. And so you have a character in there and the first thing you would imagine, well, you have a character with a certain skin tone you put into red light. His, his skin is going to suddenly suck in all that light and become red. 
Uh, and the problem is that went back to making it look 3D. And so the one thing we realized was that you had to preserve the diffuse uh, textures uh, of those characters and of the mechs as well. So there was the rule that you would always leave at the very least, I think it was like 20 or 30% of diffuse colors um, on those mechs in uh, with the skin tones. It was like 80% skin tones and just a slight influence uh, of the lighting on their skin tones because that's the thing that makes you connect with the characters. And then the rest of the characters could actually catch all that red and your brain sort of accepts it because the surroundings are red, you know, the, the, the character is getting a hint of it, but it keeps this thing flat and, and easy on the eye um, as well. Yeah, it's a careful balance because you're painting some of the, the, the lighting into the characters. So the way the light wraps around their body and their faces, that's painted in the texture, but you also want the character to react to lighting in the scene. And that's really where a lot of the work happens is like, where are we finding that balance between the diffuse textures that are painted in and the light that's driven by what's in the scene? Did you also have different textures of different baked in lighting that you would use for different scenes or? Not, no. not hand painted, but there, if you look at our comps, that's essentially what's happening is we're stripping out the diffuse and replacing it with the lighting. And it, it sort of ends up in between where the comp is actually kind of creating some of that lighting in the textures in a weird way. That, that, would, be, oh, I would, okay. say, that would be, I would say, the biggest evolution between Suits and, and the Valorant piece is that the one thing we, we kind of understood was that in, it, it's actually, it got me thinking there, there are those really cool algorithms uh, right now that are able to take a picture and sort of make it into 3D because they, the computer understands that there's always something that's like a sky and some things that are like walls and something that's like grounds. So they're able mm -hmm. to understand that. Well, for the lighting, it's kind of the same thing is I would say 90% of the places where you are, you actually get a really high uh, top light most of the time. It feels like you always have some sort of shower light lighting you. So that's kind of the way we're actually texturing our characters. We're texturing the characters with the idea that the key light is always coming from the top. And then you can just add to this, but you know that no matter what, you're always going to get that sort of grounding shadow that's baked inside uh, the character that really allows it to work, uh, even with just a diffuse texture. Interesting. But there must have been, Gabe, you hinted at the fact that there was a lot of comp tricks <laughs> being done yeah, here. Yeah, our comps are, are a beast. Um, the comp team, like uh, like uh, one of the artists, uh, Nitan Karnik, has been sort of the mastermind behind a lot of our comps. He's he's really been uh, one of the key guys in driving the look as well. Okay. Um, and yeah, so we'll do things like uh, actually do you use like a, a divide to divide out the diffuse texture, and then you apply the lighting to the diffuse texture, and then plus it back in. So we're doing. So we're actually pulling I hacks see. out of 3D yeah. and we're putting hacks into the comp. So there's still hacks. They're just happening yeah. in, in comp. That's interesting. Um, and okay. there's a lot of like um, relighting in 3D where we're using normals to balance our our rims. Um, so you run the rims through. Yeah, we have a combination of like, edgers. Yeah. yeah, edging to like... We'll have an actual rim light, but then we'll limit it by some of their tools in comp so that you don't have, you don't get that cell shading look. Because, you know, our audience is, you know, they a lot of them are gamers and people who are savvy with cell shading. They know what cell shading is and they pick it up right away. So mm -hmm. we're trying to like 
fight against that look so that you don't pick up on it. So if you have these two is it is cell shaded seen as negative by the gamers in a lot of ways? No, it's just to, like for me, it, it it takes you out of what you're looking at because you start to think about the 3D aspect of it instead of looking at the image as a whole. Right. Um, uh, I think okay. the only, maybe it does look a little cheap. Let's, let's I think just... I think the only guys that have done it really well so far are the guys that did the Guilty Gear. That's by far yeah. the best looking. I mean, it's the best looking everything. And they do it's a like lot the, of hand work to make that work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They they really decide where you know where the light hits and how it moves and that sure. kind of stuff. But it's, I think that's the key thing is like you really want control over every little aspect of it. Um, and when you uh, apply a, a tune shader and just sort of let it be what it is, uh, you get shadows in places you don't want, or you have the lighting pop in a weird way. So. Bye. I think it could be interesting, though. I think that there's stuff that 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 you could do with cell shading that's impossible to 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 do, which could look a little different. But, but sure, I I definitely think what you guys have done is very special, and it's really definitely you know you know in in terms of what you're trying to do, Frank, which is basically like I wanted to look at something and say I don't know who did that, but I didn't know. It's definitely not a blur piece. I mean, or a traditional blur piece until until now. Now it's a new new <laughs> now blur it is. piece. So now, we now have it, to figure out a new thing now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> For sure, but 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 it's really cool. The other really interesting thing, I think, another thing, if you're gonna think about it, blur, was not necessarily, you know, especially back in the day, like you know, five six years ago, was not known for big compositing, <laughs> right? It was not like compositing was not a part of blur. And it's interesting now to see that you guys are doing some really fancy compositing stuff. And I know probably Dan Akers has a lot of influence to do for you guys in terms of where where some of those comp tricks are coming from. So that's really cool to see yeah. that. I, I heard a rumor that you and and Dan Akers didn't really get along very well, Chris and DD. Is that true? Like at one point, maybe you guys got into it. Maybe it came to blows. I don't remember. No, the whole story. I don't remember coming to blows with Dan. No, I've always really liked Dan. You're so probably got some reach. So no, I've always liked Dan. I think he's an extraordinarily talented artist, uh, and I, I really like him. Actually, his his uh, his skill set is is great, and I know that he definitely brings in a special flavor to the to, to blur. But no, he's a he's a really cool guy. Yeah, he and I worked on a bunch of stuff together. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, he yeah he did bring in a bunch of bunch of like top shelf. Uh, artists and it did change right. our workflow and did, uh, obviously it's very heavily heavily used on uh, on, on suits both and, shows. and yeah, yeah. but it's so, because these guys yeah. are like they're they're vfx compositors so they yeah. have this huge tool set and they're doing something that they're not familiar with but they they kill it they're awesome oh it. well when i first started at, at dd you know dd obviously invented blur i mean invented nuke but uh so sorry i didn't mean to say blur invented <laughs> nuke uh and they were uh uh they the so the talent, you know, every single big studio had a specific thing that was really good. So like at that time, like Rhythm and Hughes was really known for their animation and their animators were really good. And Blur was really, I'm oh, sorry, DD was really known for its compositor because of Nuke. And, and the compositors were excellent. And the fact yeah. is like, lighters could hand them complete crap and they're like whatever well, i'll fix it and they would just fix it they did it they fixed everything so they were really really good at, at, at finding ways of making pushing it in the direction they wanted to do it uh, mm -hmm. and it's really nice to see that and obviously in this piece it's it's very obvious that you can do some of those fancy tricks i mean gabe you did you did had you always enjoyed compositing did you use composite do a lot of compositing before uh, it's funny. I didn't know Nuke until I started working on Suits, and that was like boot camp because I was I was thrown in the mix with you know these DD artists, um, right? And 
they were very generous with their knowledge and, and expertise. So um, I, by the end of that show, I felt very comfortable with Nuke. I, I had used um, a little known program called After Effects before coming. Right. To yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a linear. It's not node based. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah, I can't even open it now. <laughs> no, yeah. there's, there's certain things uh, uh, that it's good at, but um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've grown to love Nuke. It's really cool. It is. It is really cool. Okay, so I do want to talk a bit of a couple other, you know, just stylistic and how you pulled it off things that are very unique in this thing. Obviously, you know, we, we talked about the shading and everything else. That's, a you know, obviously an important one. But then there's other subtle things like motion blur or things of that nature, right? Like, or lack of motion yes. blur, right? <laughs> like, how, how yes. do you make those... How do you make that work? Like, how do you say, okay, I want it, like, because it, these are in motion. It looks like a cartoon, but it also, it doesn't. And it doesn't jar you away from it. Like you were saying with a, when you do cell shade, you're just like, well, you're just trying to sh shove a look into something. That, so you have to do other things to make it buy, buy, buy into what's going on. How do you do that? Yeah. What, what, what's the look on that? Well, it's, it would be different actually across the, the three pieces that we did. So suits, yeah. uh, we suits was this thing uh, that <clears throat> that they that they all, they're also doing that actually on on uh, Spider Verse. Those guys were actually some of the first ones uh, mm. to do that at, at, a, at a mega scale, uh, which is you basically have your characters animated on twos um, or or others, uh, but the, the center of gravity and the cameras are all on ones. So. Uh, the reason why you're doing this is, uh, well, it's just a, it's a stylistic choice, uh, but that kind of removes the the motion blur from the equation because you're on twos. So you would get a frame with motion blur and a frame without, so you just can't really do it uh, by by default. Um, so how do you do it on twos? You basically bake it out and just remove the other frame, or no? So basically, it's I mean, man, we would need to have Hubert, but for, for this, but basically, the the way we would have it work is. Um, it, it was really a case-by-case -case, uh, type scenario. If you have a character that's, let's say, walking away from you or walking towards you, uh, and it, the character is kind of staying in the same spot in the frame, you can animate everything on two, so the camera can be on one, it's going to work fine. Okay. The places where it starts not working is when you have a traveling shot or uh, like a, a shot that's just dollying sideways, and the character is supposed to be in the frame. If you're on twos on the character, you'd have the character sort of go back one frame every other frame. So you need to basically attach your character to the camera and right. then animate it on twos. So that's why I was talking about the center of gravity. The center of gravity, because, right. Yeah, exactly. That's usually the thing that would get attached to the camera. Uh, and then the characters would be animated <laughs> on, on twos. Because, yeah, otherwise right. you'd get a lot of weird stuff. I, I remember very early on uh, when, when we started working on that show, I was talking with our animation supervisor, Hubert, and and I was like, okay, I want to do this, and he's like, ah, oh, shit, I don't, we don't have any tools. I'm not sure if it's gonna work. And then he did a test, and, and it worked out great. And I was like, perfect, okay, let's do it for all of it. So that took right. care of the motion blur on suits because there wasn't any. Uh, right. Valorant, Valorant, it was uh, it was a prerequisite from the client from the Riot guys uh, to not having not having be stepped. It needed to be um, you know on 24 frames per second. Uh, okay. So on this one, it was really still done in animation, but we just used the regular tricks of, you know, stretching uh, limbs so that they stay in the frame a little bit longer, so that you get the impression of motion blur, or at least there's nothing that's like too uh, too jarring. Um, right. And we wanted at the time to do some sort of motion blur uh, 
like where you could sort of like stretch the pixels or even paint on top. We had those grand plans of doing all that stuff and, and timeline permitting or not permitting in that case. Uh, we weren't able to do any of those, but because of the animation, the way it had been done, it wasn't really jarring, so there was no motion blur whatsoever. Mm. The third one, uh, the third one, we were able to actually, uh, one of Nitan's friend, um, a comper and a freaking genius at, I don't even know, in Vodou magic, as far as I'm concerned, mm -hmm. um, he basically wrote this, uh, this tool for us uh, in Nuke that basically uses the alembic caches of, uh, of the characters and is able to generate motion blur uh, in Nuke directly and sort of use the pixel information and stretch them and have that be driven by maps. You can put textures on it. So it really feels like if someone had been painting strokes uh, on the object, you can select where you have it appear, the density of it, the length, and all that is a pop, is a is a post process. So all yeah, the images wow. are all actually no smear the pixel data yeah. like in a direction it's basically a smear of the animation. Yeah. So But you do that in, you do that, that in comp then. And so yeah. that was in comp. So that that stuff was done in comp. So there's still no motion blur rendered out from 3D and mm. this basically allows us to really pick where we want to have those kind of streaky um, effects, uh, and it's cool. I mean, it's so we we scratched the surface because it was a tool that was being developed as we were doing the production. So we were only able to put it, I think, in what 10, 13 shots or something like this. Yeah. Um, but now, now that we have that tool, our goal is to you know really learn how to use it and and use it a lot more because man, it's it's. I mean, when I saw it, I was like, holy shit, that is so cool. We need to use it a lot more, and it nice. just opens up you know to to a lot of cool things to test on the on the next one. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we did some other fun things that are a little more straightforward, like you know, uh, doubling um, characters, sort of that that Looney Tune style thing where a character moves his arm really fast, and you'll see three copies of the arm on a single frame. Uh, and then we also did things where, like, if the background is moving very fast, but the characters characters tracking with the camera, um, you just smear the crap out of the out of the background until it turns into you know colored lines and stuff like that. Right. So you do look at every every situation is like, okay, in this situation, I want it to look like this. Mm. <laughs> so you have to do it that way. It was not like you had a yes. universal solution. It's like, okay, now we just turn motion blur off and we're done. It's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. wishes like, every day we had a solution that works for everything. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like building a series of illustrations rather than building shots. Like each one has, you know, like you said, it's got its own solutions and problems. Right. That's fascinating. Okay, now speaking of uh, different solutions and problems, let's talk about uh, the and uh, the the smoke and fire that you guys did. Like that's a very unusual look for smoke and fire. Very effective, <laughs> but how did you do that? Like like in in I mean, as, unless you just hand painted those flames, they looked pretty amazing. So what's how, what's the what's the method there behind that? That's the method. That's the method. You hand, hand paint them. You <laughs> hand painted all of them, really? 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 Yeah, it's wow. Yeah, most, wow. most of the stuff that's like organic, like fire and smoke, like um, there there are people who are playing with stuff like that in 3D, but you, it's it goes back to sort of that cell shading quality where you can you can kind of pick up on the fact that it's 3D and it I, it kind of takes you out yeah. of it. Whereas um, beautiful 2D animation, like nothing really quite matches that um, that look. Yeah, so I think who was your... really, it all comes down to the way it's being comped. I would say that's probably the, the, the trick, is like how to comp it in there so that it still feels like it has 
it, it is, you know, in the 3D environment and it's interacting with the 3D environment. So it's it's like all on different layers on cards that are like deep composited. Um, the smoke, we do a lot of tricks where we blur the background through the smoke to still get a little bit of that interaction with the environment. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's it's all 2D animated by uh, uh, by some of our partners that are just specialized in, in that. That's that's the only thing they do, 2D animation. That yeah. makes... some, of the, some of the most challenging things are when you have an effect that's drawn to frame and it's moving through the depth, but you have to have the lighting of that effect on the environment. Mm -hmm. um, so we basically just sort of go back into 3D and uh, place lights in a way that that matches what the 2D is doing, which is, you know, it's pretty intensive. Yeah, yeah, that sounds that sounds very intense. <laughs> uh, but you'll notice it, it it comes with its with with its kind of uh, and again I would say it's it's the same thing that on suits for instance we did I said we didn't do daylighting because we were like okay one thing at a time. Valorant the first one was the first time we were doing daylight and we did it in the middle of a city that was a little darker. So again, step towards day. The last Valorant one is full daylight. So we understood now how the light character is in full daylight and how it interacts with this. 2D effects is kind of that same thing where we're slowly learning how to sort of use them because there are still things that we haven't tried or we've been going around. For instance, we have a shot where a character is in the middle of smoke. Well, the thing is, if you were doing it in 3D, smoke has a depth to it. You can be in the middle of it and it feels like fog. But then how do you do that with 2D and make it feel like, so you'll notice that we really took that approach of like, you know, like you would do a cartoon and it's all cutouts and you're just layering it in such a way that it feels like you're in the smoke, but really you're not going through anything. So I think that will be the next challenge will be like, okay, if you have a sequence and you're supposed to have a camera pushing in inside smoke, how do you get that to feel like it still has that 2D look, uh, but feel the volume uh, of this. That's just one of the many things where it's like, okay, you start racking your brain and sort of looking at references and, and how you could get that to work. Well, it definitely sounds interesting. It sounds like a challenge. Uh, and it sounds like a really an interesting balance of a challenge of aesthetics and technology in some ways. Uh, yeah. And you're not trying to over technolo techno technify the whole solution, which is also very interesting. Yeah, because when you build it up with too many weird hacks, it kind of becomes a house of cards where, um, you know, that you've hacked it to work in a certain way and then you turn the camera or have a different situation. All of a sudden that hack doesn't work. So you have to pull apart the hack and rebuild it. So um, stripping that back is is the goal to make it a little easier to do. Yeah, it was very I did. I did. Uh, I did an episode with uh, 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 Miguel, uh, who did The, the Witness. Uh, on and uh, his his uh, he said it was like the same. He's like it's way simpler than you think. Like, but it's a lot of work. But it's way simpler. You know, we just projection. It's like, and he had that. You know, it's just like your smoke, right? He's like, I had my painting. That's what I know how to do. So I painted those faces. Like, boom. <laughs> you know, it's like okay, <laughs> that makes sense. So it's really nice to see, like, you know, just. Thinking about like what crazy art, crazy technique they use. No, I used good old fashioned art <laughs> to make this work. You know, it's tempting to to come up with hacks just because we are in the software all the time. Like a good example right. is like on the first Valorant piece, we have um, this road that we're looking down, and yep. if you were to illustrate a road, you would paint more detail in the foreground, and then you would smooth that detail out in the background to sort of imply perspective. Um, 
or to focus sure. CI or whatever. Uh, so we built this um, this sort of hacky shader that was built on a distance from a node. So you'd place the node where the camera is and it would change textures as it moves back in space. And then, but then as the camera moves, you can kind of see that. And then you look in the wrong direction and that thing falls apart. So when we went into the second one, we were like, well, let's not do that because it's a pain in the ass to deal with. So let's- It was more of a problem than a texture. solution, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. So we, we simplified stuff like that. So it's basically just painting a nice texture that works from all different angles. What is yeah. quite interesting what is quite interesting is is we did it the only way we're basically doing all that stuff with the only thing we know. So it's it's so, so inspiring to see other studios and and the work they do because some of them really apply straight on, you know, what's being done in 2D where it's, you know, you have uh, you have a 2D environment, a 3D character in there. It's super efficient, uh, but the, the, the count like the the drawbacks are you can't move your camera you can only do sort of like lateral movement but you can't have the perspective change or then you need to start doing a lot of projection mapping uh, which also has their own limitation depending on the artist that you have at, at, at you know at your disposal so for us it's been kind of working the other way around where what we know is 3d and let's call it the blur style okay how do we sort of morph this to start working for us and allow us to do that kind of style and still preserve all the flexibility that you have by being able to put your camera anywhere uh, into the environment. That's that's the big the big difference. I don't know if it's necessarily a difference for the better, but it, the flexibility of, of the way we're currently working is that it doesn't change uh, from traditional cinematics. The camera can still go anywhere we want. Um, there's nothing that's you know that, that that is to a point where you need to repaint every frame or every background on, on every shot. Um, so it's 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 pretty flexible. Yeah, we can, yeah. we can have our camera fly around a corner and zoom up and we can, you know, do all the cool things we want to do with a camera. Whereas you look at styles that are driven by matte painting, your camera is really fixed. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. It's really interesting. Uh, uh, yeah, what, what Alberto did on The Witness was like, you know, it's kind of an interesting idea. And I think that's a, that he does some interesting things that, you know, there's so much stuff that happened in Love, Death and Robots. If I'm looking at all of it as a series, it's like everything had its unique look, but yet there was some things that were like, that's something special. That style is going to happen again. Right. I knew, I knew when I saw, uh, um, uh, uh, the witness, so, not the witness, but also sorry. Uh, when I saw uh, Spider Verse, also it's like okay, that's that's oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, when I saw yeah. Spider Verse, I was like, this is why this is what I want in a superhero film, right? If I want to make it feel like a cartoon, like it, make it feel like a cartoon, and they're the first ones that did it correctly. You know, that did it felt like they did it extremely well. It's I mean, yeah. you, it's literally when you say every frame of painting that 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 yeah. those two shows actually the witness and Spider Verse. It's it's amazing. You can stop on any frame, and you're like, "How the fuck does that work?" Like yeah. visually, you're like, "Yeah, it works for a still frame, but then it works animated, which is right. just mind blowing." Oh yeah, we use that those shows as reference like every single day. Yeah, but I think there's something special about you know like the, there's always something special that feels really interesting. Like so like for example with with Alberto, like he used very. Uh, very accurate cloth simulation, right? So all the cloth mm. was set. It's so accurate that it. Did, and so in your face that it was like it was a character, you know, like her her very flimsy dress was a character in the mo in in the short, and it was like okay, that's interesting. But everything else felt stylized, and the same thing with like you know when I was asking about your your smoke is like that smoke looks 
awesome. It's like, how the hell did you pull it off? And it's like, no, we hand painted it. It's like, oh, well, of course. Well, there you go. So, but it looks so, you know, there's something very special about those moments that you get that feel really good. And on top of that, it becomes part of the narrative, right? So like your smoke has got all that character uh, that's in, in that in that piece. And then all of those those different uh, looks are, are really cool. So yeah. I think the, that the you guys- The interesting thing is when you, when you compare like uh, the witness to the Spider-Verse and the interesting thing is when you- look at what they're stylizing, they're actually paying a lot of attention to things that are photographic. Like a lot of those styles are developed by illustrators who like start with photos and then they repaint the photos and you're like, right. why, is that, why does that painting look so realistic? It's like, well, because they're considering how light bounces and exposure works and all that kind of stuff. And, mm -hmm. and we're sort of tapping into that same thing where um, the, the language of film and, and photography is still in there, even though it's stylized. You know, you're not starting from a blank canvas. Right, right, right. It's really kind of really fascinating uh, how that how that's all working. Do you guys see yourselves? I mean, is this now become something that you've been asked to do more of? Like we want to do like that's a style of what I want. And they try to they're, they're demanding those types of tools. Yes. from you guys. It's not even just us. It's in general in, in the market. It's, it's okay. something that's extremely popular. Uh, there is it's a style that I mean, animation in general is a style that's extreme, extremely popular uh, in Asia. Mm -hmm. I think people just connect more with with uh, with characters that are not too realistic and that can be a little bit more expressive. Uh, I, I don't know why, but it's just the way it is. So now a lot of we, we get a lot of people asking. Uh, yeah, though, actually, it's funny because they now we have Suits and Valorant now as references for Blur, but we had people asking about you know what Alberto does uh, and the style that he does, and we're like, that's Alberto. That he he's the master of his right. own style. We we could never tell you how this sausage is made because he is the gatekeepers. Well, uh, the gatekeeper I think what's that, in, that I think what's interesting is that there's room. There, there's there's a a general stylized style that's being appreciated but there's lots of flavors of that style that oh, can totally. come out of it yes. right so so you guys are defining your own flavor of that style and making that happen and alberto's doing his and there's a lot of yes. different ideas yes. out there and i think that's really opening up the door towards uh something that's beyond the idea of photorealism right so like cg is actually has a lot of a, a big role to play in, in something like that. So it's very interesting. And I think it's, it's like, it, it really depends where you want to put the, the, the challenges. I think they, they both have challenges, you know, photo real definitely has a lot of challenges because you're used to seeing real faces every day. You have a part of your brain that knows if a freaking half a pixel in the eye is off and you don't mm -hmm. know why, but you just know the, yep. And whenever you go and stylized route, all that stuff, you're like, okay, well, that doesn't matter. What matters, though, is that the characters are uh, are uh, you know appealing and that you connect with them. Yeah. So you remove one one side of things, but you know where where you could get away with the uh, scans and, and and realistic things that you you pull from library. Here, you're into a stylized world where everything needs to follow a specific you know design rule. So now right. we're talking about you know an environment needs to be every asset needs to be designed and textured in a specific way. So you're just shifting the problem in a different place. But they're they're yeah they're both very interesting. Uh, but I I love the fact that we were able to sort of allow ourselves to, you know, potentially fail, uh, but ultimately sort of like learn a new, a new thing. Um, and now I'm, my hope is that now that we, we know how to do that style and 
we're still working on getting our photoreal stuff looking even more photoreal. Well, there's like a really, there's a lot of things that can happen in between. So it's just very yeah. exciting to, to try to blend different styles and that kind of stuff. To, t- to touch is, on is to, claymation is what we're going for next. Claymation. Just, I love yeah, it. Gumby. <laughs> I love it. There was a, uh, there was a, uh, an awesome video game about 25 years ago that was all done with claymation. I think it was called Never Neverland or Neverwood or yeah yeah yeah. I don't know. Do you remember that? It's like a point it was really amazing. Yeah, it was awesome. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. But I do claymation would be interesting. Uh, don't don't rule it out. Um, <laughs> the, would be the, my favorite. But uh, the it's the been, uh, done it before. You did say, I mean, you did say, you touched on the uh, on the Uncanny Valley or sort of hinting at it a little bit in terms of the, char- the problems of character. Yeah. I keep reminding people, there are two sides to the valley of the Uncanny Valley, right? You, th- th- It goes into the valley when it starts to look very close to real, but not real enough. And then the, uh, there's another side where it's like, just don't, you don't have to get out of it. That's really hard. Instead, just stay on this side. <laughs> Make it look really cool, but don't have to challenge yourself. And the way that you guys are doing it is is great. You've got great characters. They're very appealing. They've got a lot of character in their faces. They can express themselves. That's another thing that's got to be very liberating for your animators. Like, they can express themselves. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every every time we do one of those shows, it's like, oh, my God, it was the best show to work on because finally we get to do, you know, what we've been training to do all our lives, like animating characters. And and it's interesting because – not even related to necessarily you know valorant but there's just other pieces where now you're like oh i i understand why you know when you watch uh you know a pixar movie or um or blue sky movies why the cameras don't move as much because well the characters are doing all the heavy lifting you don't need to go in and put a freaking like camera on a shoulder and run around and have camera shake everywhere characters are doing all of this for you so right. we're, we're kind of it's it's really just interesting to see how you know it's just different not mediums but different styles really influence uh every part of of, of the of the making process yeah yeah it absolutely. gives something else for the other because there are artists who love chasing the craft craft of photoreal and will just love to just push it as far as they want and others want to work on the design aspects of it so it's nice to have both of those things kind of available um, in our workload for sure for sure and then i think these days too there's a there's a big push for uh uh you know with there is a big research there's always been an interest in anime uh you know in this country but now it's it's getting really big and i think streaming networks are delivering a huge amounts of content of anime and so that style is becoming very very interesting right and that my my daughter is a big otaku right and so she just watches tons of anime and i watch with her and it's interesting to see that because there's an obviously a way that they express themselves in animated is hyper exaggerated right oh yeah faces change like a completely different person to express something you know like weird like okay Mm -hmm. and it's and it's like it's it's actually a ghost spectrum we were talking about the very beginning which is me speaking English, it is a different language, like oh, yeah. visually speaking. It's, it's, it's funny because uh, as a European, uh, I grew up watching animes because they had a lot of collaboration between French studios and, and Japanese studios. So I grew up watching that stuff and yet I can't speak it uh, 
as well as lots of people around the planet who can just just li live and breathe sort of anime. They think about the you know the way to make images, and and so now we're kind of doing the other way around, where we're just rewatching the animes from a very technical side side of thing to be like, okay, why is that working? Why is this? And then you realize that oh, okay, there's no there's no sort of like recipe or technique that's just going to work for everything you just need to let go of those principles where oh right. it looks like a wide angle and yet the face is very flat how the hell well they just drew it that way and so you have to take that into consideration when you're doing the animation and you don't do a wide angle camera you actually deform your character so that it looks this way this way you right. get the environment that you want you get the character that you want uh, we even have shots where we go in and and deform the actual whole image with what you would usually sort of accustomed to a lens deformation, but it's actually doing the opposite. Instead of ballooning it, it's actually deforming it the other way around. And so those guys would in comp going and just, I would just do like, hey, can we get the ground to be like this? And and those lines going the other way around and like, uh, okay, I guess. And then you just distort the whole thing. You know, oh, wow, okay, it, it can actually work. And right. it's all manual. It's like, there's no, the trick is this. The trick is do it the same way they did it 30 years ago. It's all by hand. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. I it's I think it's fascinating. I think it's really great uh, that this style is coming into to play and I think that there's a lot of even uh I don't know if you guys ever saw uh uh the show on um on Amazon Prime called Undone and that's done with live action yep. rotoscoping type things. So there's a lot of things like that that are happening. This yeah. to me is exciting and I think that this is great that you guys are finding a way to to incorporate your flavor into this. Uh and it's cool that you guys are like, Okay, we liked it, we do it again and evolving and evolving and evolving and seeing how it goes. It's it's kind I'll of I'll say awesome. one thing, it, it is is that style keeps you honest because you cannot hide behind the technicality of things. There is no hiding behind, oh, you know, the GI and the library assets. And you have to compose an image with like, you know, uh, the colors with the simple shapes. You can't, you know, you don't rely on pre-existing realistic things. You're not gonna go outside and say, oh yeah, that's gonna be my background. Is you, it really taps into what makes the artists artists. It's just like, you need to create a beautiful image with right. freaking circles and squares. And that's pretty much the only tool you have. So you yep. can't, there's no cheats. It's it's all about image composition and color theory. It's all about this. So <laughs> that's, that's, that's the biggest of, challenge really. Not a lot of sure. stuff we could get off a of turbo squid for this style. No, no, <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah. Well, yet. Right. I mean, Turbo Squid has to build up a whole new library for that to happen. <laughs> Turbo so. Squid 2D. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, it, it's really great to see you guys. I mean, I really appreciate you taking the time to to, to come uh, to come on the podcast and have another great Blur episode with you guys. Sorry, we can't do them in person. At some point, we will be nice to get together in Culver City and uh, have a beer over at uh, you know uh, uh, what what was the. God, it's been so long. Rush, um, Public School. Rush Street. Yeah, Rush yeah. Street would be great. What's the other great bar that I used to like to go to? Uh, um, um, owned the by other? the same guys as Rush Street. It was Father's on the Office? No, not Father's Office. Father's Office is pretty good, but it's only open on Fridays. <laughs> you might be drinking too much beer, Chris. That's it's there's true. Public School, there's Rush. Public School, and then... Rush. And then that, just down the street, oh, uh, gosh, the City Tavern. That's what it was. Oh, yeah. yes. yes. They had really good beers there. 
while the blur fridge will be full with beers at some point in 2021 would be my hope. That's great. And do you guys know if you guys are going to go back at some point? Obviously, things are really starting to accelerate in terms of the recovery at now. At some point, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. I, I know Tim. At first, Tim was like, oh, it's so cool to be alone in the studio. I love it. Now, you can tell he's not loving it as much as he's doing. He cannot wait for people to come back in the office. He's kind of lonely. Yeah. yeah. Cause well, I noticed yeah, I, 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 I told I him, I, I, went, I was going to ask him about something and I said, Hey, do you, can, can we just have a meeting? Cause it's like, do you want to come down? <laughs> see me in the office? It's like, it see, was like, I, I was like, I need to see people in the flesh. I need to see people. It's like, uh, okay. It's like, yeah, but well, can we just do a zoom? Yeah, no, like, I'm, I'm right. sure. You know, <laughs> I'm sure that uh, permitting, you know, whenever it's officially authorized that we're all, you know, vaccinated and healthy, uh, yeah. I'm sure it'll happen. Well, but we're, you know, the the remote work has been has been working pretty well um, Great. so far. So there's no reason to rush. Uh, we just want to make sure we do it right. It's, it's, it's well, you guys are in a really good position. You guys are doing the kind of work that could really work remotely yes. pretty easily. Yeah. So, so you guys are, are, are doing a pretty great job. And uh, I've been following what you guys are doing, obviously, and also what Justin Denton's been doing. He's like a friend of mine as well. So uh, it's really cool to see that. So... Uh, listen, please, uh, when you when you talk to Dan, please give him my best. Tell him, no, I don't have any animosities towards him. Uh, and uh, created a, a rivalry. Yeah, created a rivalry out of nothing. Wait a minute, hold on. Uh, and then also give my best to Betty because I always miss her. Well. Uh, and she's always such a gross person. And you know, the thing is, I was thinking about it. Like, I haven't shook someone's hand in over a year and whenever i walked into the door at blur she always came out from behind the desk and gave me a hug so she's uh, yeah uh, yep. so she's uh she's really great and uh yeah. well, you know it'd be nice to see her again and be able to give her a hug sometime and see all of you guys back in the office so <laughs> it'll be good i think we're all, right. all looking forward to that to that time where yeah, it'll yeah. feel like this the time is flowing again and not just yeah. stopped yeah it's great all right guys thank you so much all right, thanks, Chris. Thanks a lot.